You're listening to the Rossa Report, where information is power and knowledge is freedom. Now, your host, Michael Rossa. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today we have John Hauser. John is a longtime founding member, band leader, and lead vocalist of one of the state's largest and most successful cover bands, The Love Monkeys, for well over three decades. John also is a part of the state's largest and most successful booking agency, The Entertainment Company. Having advice and knowledge in both sides of these areas of the local musician community, John's going to give you a bunch of insight and knowledge on his experience being in both sides of these camps. Stay tuned. You're on for a great, great interview. Please welcome to the show, Mr. John Hauser. Thank you. Hi. Awesome. Glad, glad you're here, my brother. So the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is a couple of things is one, I think you have two sides of, of the same piece of glass. I like to characterize it. You, you have a unique perspective where you're seeing the industry and our local community industry from both sides of two different sides of the glass, one from a band leader and band musician side of it, but then also from the agent side of it being a part of TEC. So I want to explore both of those ways. And I think you, you give the viewers and listeners a, a lot of, a lot of value from both of those aspects. So let's start with the origin story of the love monkeys. Obviously you said 33 years. Well, it's uh, this is our 33rd year. We celebrated in November of our 32nd year. And we, um, it's, uh, it's been a wild ride, but I'm not even supposed to be in a band. I was supposed to be selling dental supplies, and that's how, the, that's how we actually started. At one point, every member of this band worked for a dental supply company in West Dallas. It was a startup thing. And uh, the more you got to know people, the more you found common ground, and, and we just like get together and just play some music. And then the holiday parties would come up, and we'd get a couple of guys together and play some holiday songs. And it just kind of grew, and it grew, and it grew. I mean, to the point where the company just became this big national corporation and, uh, and, our, and our Christmas parties were huge and we got to put together a full band. And uh, a couple weeks after that, the vice president of the company approaches us and said, hey, I'm getting married in August. What are the chances you guys could play for my wedding? And I said, can we think about it? I mean, my friend Jim Hughes, uh, we are good friends. We kind of kicked it off and, and uh, we just said, I don't want to start a band. I don't want to do this. Uh, but it was Tim. Everybody <laughs> loves Tim. So, you know, to, to toe the company line, like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, so we put together, we, we just kind of reassembled things uh, from what we had. And we got together and, and we, uh, this was January. So we rehearsed almost eight months for his wedding. And wow. uh, all of a sudden, August is over. The wedding's over. Well, we got these songs. And we got offered to do, we want to do a show? Yeah, we'll do a show. And then it turned to, you want to do another show? Yeah, we'll do a show. And all of a sudden it, it blossomed into this. You know, it, it was never expected. But once it did, it's like, well, let's see what we can do here. So everyone worked at the same company, all the band members? Uh, the original formation, like for the company parties. But as it came oh, time sure. to put the band together, it was myself, Jim Hughes, Rudy, Mike Rodenkirch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we brought in a couple of singers, and we actually we were we were five people in a drum machine, is what we were, and that's how the band. That's started. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rudy told me that um, yeah. you guys had started with a drum machine. So who programmed all the drum machine stuff? I did. I just uh, I didn't know what wow. I was doing. I, I can't read a lick of music. I can't I can't read a note. Um, but you know what? If you're curious about something and you want to do something, you'll do it. You'll find you'll find ways to get good at it. Just you know. The Van Halen brothers, they can't read music, but they, they're passionate about it, and they just kept playing, and that's, that's what happened. We'd, you know, I was four or five days a week. I was programming music. What do you want to do this week? And, and that's what happened, you know. As we, as we worked a drummer in and, and things just started to grow, we just, we, it, was, it was routine. We rehearsed two nights a week, and I was probably working on music two other nights a week. And every show, we introduced new music every single time. Wow. So, so you're, you're, uh, how did the audience react to that in the early days with uh, just having a drum machine, not having a live drummer? They didn't know that uh, people just, people just want to go to a party is what it was. And we, right. because of our company and our friend base, and we all had really strong, expansive friend, uh, friend bases, we could, we could, we could pack a bar. I mean, we were making 300 bucks. We were, we were renting out production for 200 bucks 
and five of us were spending <laughs> yeah. hundred bucks, and that's that's how it went. And and you didn't know any better. It's like, okay, what's happening? And so and it kind of said, well, if we're gonna, what happened is we got an offer to play Bunkers Main Street, which is now Pauly's, yeah, at 81st and Greenfield. And we were playing like athletic clubs and Southridge Athletic Club and Wisconsin Athletic Club in West Dallas. But we got an offer to play Bunkers Main Street, and we thought, oh, this is a bar. This is real. Okay, well, oh, boy. Right. For four hundred dollars, Dad. <laughs> this is real. This is happening. It's real. We should probably we should probably start working as a drummer is kind of our mentality. I remember okay. this guy named Bob Locko, who's a great drummer, came and saw us. He said, Man, I want to be in your band. Um and and that's kind of how that kicked off to for us to get a drummer. And he only lasted like not even a year, but that's what happened. And then you stuck with a live drummer from that point on? Well, yeah, but the cool thing was, um, you know, it's uh, it's a funny thing was like, you know, Rudy quit the band and Bob Locko quit the band almost at the same time. And here we are and, and we got rid of the two girls and it's just Jim and myself thinking, well, you want to keep doing this? Yeah, let's keep on doing this. Okay. We couldn't get anybody to audition. Nobody would oh, wow. come down. <laughs> Honestly, we couldn't get anybody to look at us or or we'd call some some accomplished musicians in town. They go, yeah, I'm going to need 300 bucks a show or whatever. And we're like, uh, we can't do that. So we were just on the, what are we going to do? We've got these songs. And uh, our friend Todd Fink turned us on to a, a bass player named Jay Tyson, who Jay's got, he's been he's been doing things since then. He's got a new band, still staying stay in touch. And uh, we had a, a female drummer named Cheryl come down, Cheryl Stotts. And, and, uh, and what happened was we got, four really mediocre musicians with great chemistry. And that's exactly how it took off from there. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. As, as a, and you mentioned something that I think is key is, and so you've been the band leader since, since day one and, and being a band leader that, that takes a lot of, of extra effort than what the other band members have to put in. Yeah. You and I both know that from firsthand experience, but you had mentioned that the chemistry was right. So kind of speak about that, because I noticed that you guys have had a lot of the same members for quite a, quite a while now, but you've also yeah, been through, you've been through band member changes. The biggest loss was our, our drummer, Jason, of 24 years who left because we're just brothers and uh, he just said, I gotta, it's this time. But um, it's, uh, well, Jim and I were de facto leaders just because we just kind of had the vision. Um, but the thing is, we just, we liked one another and we had similar senses of humor and we were fearless. I mean, the word no wasn't in our vocabulary. We're like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we toilet paper bunkers that night? What are you talking about? Oh, anybody who comes to the door, let's give them a roll of toilet paper. We'll toilet paper the bar. This really? Is the kind of, this is the kind of shit we did. So people sure. come in, they pay their $3 cover, we gave them a roll of toilet paper. By the time the night was over, the place looked like it snowed. It was just, these are the things that we did. We just, every show, we just wanted to do something different, you know? And, uh, it was it was just a really fun 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 time um our drummer at the time was wearing a football helmet because people were just taking cloths of toilet paper dunking it in their beer and throwing it out of their people oh wow and so we just if you ever get scotty bunker fine i've asked him about that night but yeah we just it's just we just kept on doing things like that where people were like okay i gotta go see this band and plus we weren't we weren't playing typical songs we realized that uh in order for us to, you know, keep on doing this, we have to keep it different. And I realized to keep it different, we learned this at going to a CFC trade show or a festival meeting one time. And you've been to those before, you know, it's a yeah. church festival, yeah. people run it. And we're there and we're just like, hey, we just introduced ourselves. We're a, we're a new band with the Love Monkeys. And we'd really, you know, like to get some festival exposure and nobody would book us. You know, we just couldn't get jobs. And we walked out of there saying, these people are going to do the same old, same old. I said, in order for us to, you know, we got to make our mark elsewhere. And that's when we just kind of started to learn to do the, the whole DIY thing. Um, putting on our events. I mean, by the time we had a five-year anniversary show, we sold 1,500 tickets to serve hall for a party. Wow. And we had a the door. We had people outside. And this was before social media. This was before, you know, websites. People are outside with Scalping, I need two tickets at our show at Serve Hall in 1995 or 1996. You know, wow, that's the kind of energy we brought in the party. It just every year was something new. 
And, and you would attribute that probably, like you said, the chemistry between the band members. It seems like everyone in the band had this kind of uh, gung-ho, hungry attitude where they're like, yeah, let's just try different things. Let's do something. Let's, let's really just give it our all. Well, we never did it for the money. I mean, to this right. day, I still don't do it for the money. It's, uh, Same we here. Said, <laughs> we, just, we just said, let's, I mean, what can we do this week? We just, anything we made, we just sunk back into production and promotion. That's what we did. You know, sure. we were building cages and having dancing girls and go-go girls in cages back in like 95, 96. These are the kind of things that we do. Uh, we silly stringed a bar one night. We just gave everybody a can of silly string when they walk in and that thing was just trashed afterwards. What did the bar owner say about that? Uh, they, made shit, they made a shitload of money. They didn't care. So they didn't really care. Didn't well, care. They knew what was happening. So they kind of, they plasticked up the bar. Oh, but sure. This place is still on Highway 100 in West Dallas. You can go there today. I bet you can still find Silly String Residue. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you mentioned your music, too. I, I do think when I look at your music, you know, we try to see what like what genre bands are in. But I don't think you can really put your band into a genre. I really don't. And I think that's your music is just quite eclectic. And it's kind of it bounces everywhere, doesn't it? It does. I just, um, you know, at, for the longest before I, I, I worked for Neil at TEC, um, I'd be in my office and, you know, still Jim and I still work together. And he'd come in my office in the middle of the morning just laughing. And he said, we should play Come a Little Bit Closer by Jay and the Americans or something like that. And I go, no, let's not do that. And then, <laughs> go, and then we'd start laughing and go, oh, yeah, you know. Right. I mean, we just, uh, we just, uh, it's, it's, let's, let's do something that nobody's played before, you know? Do you think you can still get away with that nowadays? Um, I I wonder, and, 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 and I have a firm belief in this too, is I believe that your band, the Love Monkeys was, was at the right time with the right people, with the right leadership and the right ideas at the right time. And I don't think your ideas would necessarily work for every band, but I think it, it works for your band. It was, all, it was all timing is the right place, right time, right moment, yeah. right attitude, because yeah. we went to that CFT trade show and everybody was, it was all Barry's truckers. It was class of 62 surf boys and the sure. and, and, uh, and we couldn't get an agency to talk to us. You know, we just got blown off by everybody. Um, <laughs> but what we learned is that, you know, they're paying their three bucks. They're not leaving. And you've got their attention for four hours. So, sure. you know, if you can, if you can, it's, 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 it's not what you play, it's how you play it and how you sell it. And we just, we were just, you know, we were fearless. And, uh, and, and you ask, you compare that to today. And unfortunately, as a band, you don't have 100% of their attention anymore. Um, True you know, that. we'd, we'd, uh, you know, that's why I like the, the music I listen to today is not necessarily the new music I'm going to introduce this summer because it's just, it's probably over the heads of most everybody. But back sure. in the day, um, yeah. we, could, we could play songs that people never heard before. And we would, we also wanted to incorporate a big whole tropical reggae theme to things that we were doing. So at one point I'd say 25% of our, of our, our music was, was Caribbean influenced. Yes. Um, yes. But they were there they weren't going anywhere and the place was packed. So, all right. <laughs> But it was always funny because I remember back in the day we had uh, we had friends. You know, our, our friend Jay was uh, really good friends with the guys in the band Shy Boy, and Shy Boy was Dave Zettel and mm-hmm. a bunch. And Dave Zettel's a guitar player for Cherry Pie. And what they would do is uh, all these music, all these music, guy musicians, they go see Rhythm Method for the first set, and then they come to the Love Monkeys for the second set because that's where the girls were. <laughs> <laughs> and two fun. completely different vibes 100 percent rhythm method and, and love yeah. monkeys completely yeah. different vibes mm-hmm. no i think it's, it's just so many things that just so many nuggets of great uh, nowadays points you you've got a, yeah nowadays you've just got uh there are so many distractions and uh, you know you can say the phone is one of them but um it's there there's a lot going on where people aren't as open to listening to something new at least, at least in the cover band world, if they don't know, I've, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen, I've, I've had a crowd in front of me and all of a sudden we just play something that's a little bit off, off, off the beaten path. And I've seen people stop, look at us, pull up their phones, look at it, turn around and walk away. I just, sure. I, I, I'm like, uh, so it's a, you know, we still have kind of have the same, the same attitude in, in selecting music, but we're not going to go, we're not going to go too obscure. We're going to, we're going to still find that, sure. that right that right song 
but that fire is still of the younger John is still in you that, Hey, let's, let's just, let's just throw this, let's just throw them at him and see what happens. Right. I turned turned 62 and I turned 62 in May and, uh, and I'm still going to, uh, I'm still going to keep that attitude again this year. No, I think that's important. I mean, definitely having an attitude like that helps the band a hundred percent. At some point you guys started recording a bunch of original material though. We did. What happened was we just like, well, cause I never, I never, Mike, I never once saw a cover band until I got in a cover band. <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I never did. I never saw because I've always, my entire foundation, you know how we all had that moment in our, we have, we all have those moments in our life that kind of changed us, especially like music related. Yeah. You know, but you talk to every musician from a certain era. It's like, it's when the Beatles played, it's like, you know, it's like this moment or that moment. Um, you know, I can, one of my most important moments in life is when WMSC 91.7 came on because it opened up my mind to this whole different world of music that I didn't know was out there. You know, graduating from high school in 1980, it was, it was so funny. It was, it was journey. It was, it was, it was super trance. It was sticks. It was REO. That's what everybody was listening to. And funny. That's what the bands are still playing, you know, 40 years later. You sure are. Because, you know, you, 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 it's, it's, it's solid stuff that has to the test of time, but WMSC came along and exposed me to this whole different world of music. So Milwaukee at the time was, you know, they always talk about what a segregated city Milwaukee is. Well, musically, you go, you know, East side, you had East side versus West side, you know, the West side was almost all hair stuff. It was all metal stuff and rock stuff. You had stars, you had Craigs, you had all these bands that were on the West side. On the East side, you had, um, you had Century Hall, you had Teddy's, you had the Boardwalk, you had, all these different, you had all these places, you know, that were happening. Um, they, you had the new wave punk clubs, like the Starship and things like that. It was, they they weren't on the west side; they were all on the east side. And that's kind of where I, once I got exposed to that, I thought there's something else out there. And that's that was my defining moment. So as we stood, you know, as we started the band, we started bringing a lot of that element into, you know, into what we were doing. And that's where the uh, original music started to kind of stem from a little bit yeah, from that, we, that type of vibe. Yeah. We, I mean, I was in original like new wave bands in the eighties and, uh, and you know, a couple of them that just didn't stick, whatever, none of them. I mean, obviously very few of them did at this point. Uh, but so we always worked on original material, but all of a sudden kind of like, man, I kind of got this groove going on and, and uh, Jim, our guitar player would just, he'd play me this lick he played me this lick. I go, oh, cool, man. We can work something. And that's how it happened. All of a sudden, we'd start incorporating a, an original song or another original song. But what we never did was say, this is our new original song. You know? Right. We just played it like it was something they already heard. You know? And yeah. when you're playing an original song mixed in with a bunch of cover songs that have made a ton of money, you've got to play it like it's a song that's made a ton of money. You know? And that's what, that's, that's what the trick is. You know, otherwise it's just a bathroom break. <laughs> yeah, I think if bands are like, hey, we're going to play this next song. This is one of our own. It's like, that's the worst thing to do. Just go right into the song. Don't even mention it. And then have people come up after you and ask you who who did that song. Oh, yeah. That's probably your best avenue, most likely. We did our CD Cause... release party. Yeah, we did our CD release party at, in, uh, at Summerfest in June of 1996. And I think we sold like six thousand dollars in merchandise back in 1996 wow <laughs> yeah. wow i mean as and a when band, you, it was it, we probably sold over twenty thousand cds yeah no I, I i saw that you guys i mean i remember you guys were selling cds really yeah. heavy like your original mm-hmm. music was definitely I, and i think what i saw was i saw that the original music and kind of the cover material that you guys were doing was not drastically far apart and mm-hmm. I think that that I think that's why, in my opinion, is that's why I think your original music sold so well. Is I think it was not too far apart. Yeah, is that yeah. fair? I think so. That's a good. That's a good way of looking at it. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then, obviously, you've been the band leader and uh, in the Love Monkeys for three decades now, which is uh, obviously a a very tough job. Is there any? Um, how did you? First of all, how did you navigate the changes? Because as music evolves, as you guys go along, you do the original music, you're doing the type of material that you're doing. Music is evolving. The cover band scene is, is evolving. It's becoming more 80s. It's becoming more 
locked in with a certain type of genre, but you guys, what I think have never strayed from what you guys feel you do well. And I think this is a cool point for people to take away. How did you navigate the changes in, in the popular scene? Like, did you have conversations about this? Is this something that you guys said, look, you know, I don't want to do that. Let's just do this. I think everybody in the band kind of knew that we were going to kind of try to keep it as unique as possible. Um, yeah, we really did. And, and that's, that's how we kind of stayed. And we've stayed true to that over the years. It's let's uh, okay. And, and uh, it's, you know, and it's, and as every band, as you know, you know, you could, you know, we, you get, you, you can, once you get really, really popular, you can't really get any more popular. Okay. You, there's only one way you can, you can keep it, you can level it off, but you're usually going to drop a little bit. We've managed to get really popular and bring it down and then just kind of just stay under the radar over the years, which I'm really, really happy with, you know? I remember us having a conversation where Jim, our guitar player, because he, he and I pretty much, he was, you know, we just played off each other so well. He's, he just brought this vision of art and he's, he was a hippie that a little bit older than me that just brought this whole sense of, man, let's, let's not, let's put a flamenco guitar solo in there. He just like, there's something out of the blue, but he just, uh, we always kind of said at the time, and especially in the nineties, remember how big U2 was in the nineties after they oh, yeah. came out? <laughs> and we just looked, he just said, you know what? I don't want to be U2. He said, I want to be the Grateful Dead. <laughs> Here's a band that, like, really, except for one song, hasn't had a top 40 hit, but yet they're selling out stadiums. They've got this this following that they'll just follow them anywhere, you know? <laughs> and yeah. It was like, I don't want to be you too. I want to be the Grateful Dead. And he was, he was real prolific that just, he had little lines like that that just stuck, you know? Well, I think that's very, very, very prophetic for your band because that's kind of the way I see your band is you guys have done your own thing, your own way. Everything has kind of been done at a, at a high level, but not succumbing to trying to dip in, in and out of whatever's coming into the trend. And so, yeah, Grateful Dead, Fish, like all these bands that just have this cult large following that just loves exactly what you're doing. And I think, I think that's, that's, wow. I can't believe he said that. Cause I think that's kind of what you guys become. You yeah, just remain successful. <laughs> I remember I've had people come up to me like five years after we were playing it. Like the song sent me in my way, but by Rusted Room, they go, I thought that was your song because they just, it didn't get any mainstream play here. But there are enough people. I'm the kind of guy that if I know two people want to hear a song that nobody else will know, I'll play it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, because I know they will go crazy for it and it's going to have some type of wave of repercussion there. Yeah. Hundred percent. When I was like looking at some some of your older videos on YouTube and kind of YouTube and some stuff with you guys, I was like, man, like like I said earlier, like you can't really pigeonhole the Love Monkeys. To, like if someone said, well, what kind of music they play, I I would just say, just go see them. Like there's no way I could describe yeah. to you the material that they play. You just have to go see it in order to really appreciate what they are. There's no way you could physically just tell someone that you know yeah, what i mean i just call it excitable pop rock is what i tell people you know it's just, that's awesome and, uh, and that's fun so it's uh we, we honestly but it's i think also our attitude is it's we you know you work hard and and you, and, and you know more as a band leader you know that being on stage is the easy part it's what you do off stage that 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 um that is so important. It's, it's, you know, you handle business properly. You're making sure those posters are up. I mean, to this day, I don't really play bars anymore because I kind of walked away from that after an experience a couple of years back. Um, but to this day, if we're doing an event, just, I will still drive, I'll, I'll still drive to Madison and hang up a poster if there's an event going on. I just, I am not afraid to get in my car because ultimately it's still a people business. And even though I'm going to see the love monkeys, the reason people are coming to see the love monkeys, it's because how we make them feel. And so ultimately it's not about us, even though it's about us, but it's not about us. You know? Right. <laughs> so, I, th you I know, think we all, yeah. Yeah. We all, I believe that all of us, you guys, you, everyone that's plays in the band, I think that they are people who are artists and they want to share art. Mm -hmm. And that's what I explained it to everyone is like, we all want to share art and that it is kind of for us because we love the art. But if there's no one to look at the art or respond or ha get a feeling from the art, then it's really no point in putting, you know, I can make music in the studio all day long, but like don't release it to anyone so that they can share the joy. Then what really good am I doing? 
And I think that kind of speaks to your point, right? You still need to have that some energy from the crowd. You do. And, um, and I, and I, it's all about, it's all about the crowd. You know, I, to this day, I'm still out thanking people. I'm like, thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Uh, it's, we've, after, you know, after being, doing it as long as you have, and uh, it's not, you know, it's, it's, you're really grateful that people are still coming to your show when there's, there's so much out there too. There, there's so many things out there to do, you know, if they're coming to my show. Thank you. You know? Well, that's exactly when we, when we, you know, we've talked about the no break. A lot of bands don't take a break and we take a break. And, and the first thing I said about not taking a break was I said, I don't get a chance to go out and speak to people if we don't have a break. Cause a lot of times we play these shows and they shut the bar down or shut the festival down. They're kicking everyone out right after you get done playing. You don't get a chance to talk yeah. with people. And I would hate to lose that for our band personally. I would hate to be able to, to lose out on being able to thank people and let them know how much we appreciate them being there. Cause like you said, especially in this era currently there's so much other things to do it's not 1985 where live oh, no. music and the club was the only thing going on oh yeah and uh and you're right and that whole taking a break there there are so many debates out there you could have taking a break ipads all of that you could we could sit there and do a panel on that for hours and and never have a con never conclude anything you know it, we'd still all be in disagreement on it so right um, right I think, I think i think breaks are important because um a show and a set list is just like a movie it's just like a book you have peaks and valleys you have highs and lows um you've got to know you, exactly and um and it's nice to ha it's nice again a lot of people to have that conversation with people on break hey thanks for coming out and ultimately people you know they're coming to see you they like to see people on stage they want to talk to you believe it or not um so i understand some bands that, that don't take breaks uh, I understand situations where you probably shouldn't take a break. It's just because of whatever. But um, I'm, you know, uh, again, I'm, it's, it's all about the situation. There, there are a couple of times a summer where I will do an entire show without taking a break. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's yeah. Eat, that's just, the way we do it too i'll just eat an extra pizza the next day you know <laughs> <laughs> right yeah we do it on a it, we, there's a select shows like you said if it makes sense if the environment yeah. seems to fit great um but then the other times we pretty much run our normal like you said i love the fact dude that you mentioned about the set the show the show has to have peaks and valleys it, it is like a movie that's going to bring the tension and the excitement yeah. up and it's going to lull it down that's the best that's the way all the national acts devise a show on a set list and that it has to feel that way to the audience too right oh yeah it has to feel that way it's like okay um and if, hopefully you can you can have and, and you're right all the all the national acts it's all and the bigger the national act it's one it's except for a handful of bands out there it's 100% scripted you go to you go to any stadium show i mean there are exceptions like the dead and and dave matthews or whatever but for the most part 100% scripted they are 100 minutes to a team sure. you know yeah. right and and they 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 practice it so they know what the flow works and what flow doesn't work exactly. so then okay well that worked this didn't work okay so let's change this let's move this around let's move the song over here you know this is i think people think that there's so much more spontaneity out there in the live entertainment industry when actually if you really dig into the the details of it there's way little spontaneity going on <laughs> in most shows <laughs> oh yeah because they got to find out what works and so once they find that they, they continue on with that so one a question i had to have you and this is just i just woke up with this question this okay. morning because do you ever have dreams about the band because i do and I don't know if any other band leaders or other band members do. And and my dreams are always something's going wrong at the show. I'll always, it's it's never like a dream of like, oh yeah, we were playing whatever place and it was packed and it was great and family was there. It's always, yeah, we got there and like the lights weren't working. Or do you ever have dreams about the band? Uh, I do as the shows, like, for instance, we're downtime right now. So, you know, uh, we've got a lot of things happening at, at home and, 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 and work, but as we start preparing to do shows, yeah, the, the dreams kick in. There's nothing, it's more of just, yeah, again, what could go wrong or, or who's right. late or <laughs> who's late. Come on, we've been on break for 40 minutes. Get your asses off. Yeah. That kind of right, thing. Right. Right. Uh, that, that's where it is. But it's, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that, 
that's what happens when we get older, Mike. That's where our dreams go. <laughs> I, I've been a big, I've always said to people, I said, things that you're passionate about and that you put a lot of effort and emotion into, those are the things that you're going to dream about because those yeah. are the things that are in your subconscious mind pretty much 24-7 of your oh, life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, so it's going to pop up in the dream. <laughs> Well, that's great advice. Let's move on to uh, my other side of the glass here. And this, I think, is a very important glass side of the glass. And I think this is a point where you're going to have a lot of, lot of value to give to people who are in bands. So you are part of the number one booking agency in the state, I believe, which is uh, the entertainment company. And how long have you been working them? 25 years, you said? It'll be 20. It'll, uh, it'll be 25 years in November. So I'm, I just hit 24 years with Neil. And Neil... Hawes has been doing this for 40 years. Uh, he worked for ACA. He uh, actually got into the business, started learning it when he was in college, booking, you know, the, the member NACA, the, the oh, yeah. college showcases, booking bands coming through UW-Eau Claire. And that's how he kind of started out. He worked for ACA. He worked for Girard Entertainment. Um, and the name TEC actually was a division of Girard at one point, And he just took that with him when, uh, when they parted ways. But this is yeah, this is my twenty fifth year with Neil and TEC. How did you um, how did you decide to get involved, or did you know how how did you break into the you know to become well, part of the agency? The aforementioned um, dental company that we worked all worked at to start the band in, um, they just kept on growing and growing. I started there in nineteen eighty five, I believe, and they kept on growing and growing, and at that point, you grow through acquisition and acquisition. And that's how you keep on getting more business. So we are this national company with all these dollars, um, you know, all this revenue. And then eventually somebody bigger bought us. So <laughs> we got acquired after, after, after acquiring, we, we got acquired. And about three years into the acquisition, after being acquired, I'm like, I just, I, well, this is why, I mean, I could be out selling dental supplies right now and, 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 and doing, hopefully doing well at it. I still have lots of friends there. Um, just a great top company. But I just, music, the music world was kind of consuming me. And, and I even had a boss, a mentor to me, just said, you know, it's, you're really good at this music thing, man. If there's an opportunity that you see, you might want to grab it. He said, I don't want you to leave. He said, but you're really good at that. And, uh, and that's when I just started dialogue with Neil Hawes. Um, I just said I wanted something more personal and hands-on, and little did we know how personal and hands-on this is going to get. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, and that's how I I came to work for Neil Hawk because at the time, um, the four big bands in town were the Love Monkeys, the Toys, the Boogeyman, and the Sweethearts. These were the bands that were growing and and making waves to the point where we we kind of I don't want to say we controlled, but we we kind of had a way of we, that we did things where we did like, if we had a show on in July of one summer, we didn't want to book it up right away. The next summer, we kind of wanted to see where things played out to see what other opportunities waited out there. Um, bands were making, you know, great money for the nineties and the early two thousands. And I said to Neil, I said, the first thing we've got to do is get some new bands. We've got to get some new acts out there. Um, Cause it's just, you know, I'm getting sick of seeing us. I can't imagine how much everybody else is sick of seeing us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we, I came on, and that was my first responsibility was getting some new acts and developing new bands. Oh, so you were given a, a very specific uh, task at the agency well, to try to help in we, that area. We, 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 there were only, you know, we only had, the bands that we had were just so booked that people were calling for them. And, and, and that's kind of how we got our start when I eventually did sign on with the Love Monkeys to join Gerard Entertainment is there was opportunity out there. Other bands weren't available, but how about this band? And that's how it is. As, as you know, as a young band, um, your opportunities come in when somebody else can't be there. You know, Absolutely. you got to splash. Yeah, you got to be ready. It's of a funny little aside story. I remember this is early on when I was doing the now and my first kind of uh, exposure to you and agency. And I remember, I and I take this memory to this day is, you called me up for a show, asked me if we were available, and I was kind of young and was kind of, oh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of got to talk to, you know, whoever, and, uh, and let me get And you're like, hey, are you available or not? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> you were like so cut and dry about it. And I remember I took away from that. I was like, well, I got all these people to talk to. And I'm like, but then I'm like, but he probably like needs to know, can you do the show or not? And if not, I got to make another call. 
And I remember I took that as like, wow, this is like, you got to really be ready as a band. And I remember I took a positive where a lot of people would take a a negative away from that and say, well, this guy was kind of like, you know, it's pushing me to make a decision, but I didn't take it that way. I took it away saying, you got to be ready, dude. Like you got to know if the date's available or not. And to this day, I run our band is I don't call people to see if it's open. If the date has not been blocked by a band member, it will yeah. be booked. I won't, I won't call you. I will just call you and say, Hey, this is the new date. Oh, great. Yeah. And, that's and I took that away from our, your and I, you and I corresponding that time. I took that. Yeah. We, uh, and that's, and that's what we, what we'll talk about, I'm sure down the road, but I just, uh, and I have to re go back to the early days of, of the love monkeys is like, you, in order to get opportunity and get yourself out there, you've got to make some sacrifices. You know, you, it, it's all about, you know, it, when it's this, if you, if you truly want to be in a band that, that, that um, gets work and, 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 and builds up, you've got to make some sacrifices. I remember one night we got offered a $450 show for some place in Racine. I think it was called Captain's Cove or something like that. It was on Highway 20. It was a bowling alley outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, this was before we were with, uh, with, uh, with Neil and, and Gerard. But I think Mangold called us up and said, John Mangold called us up and said, hey, we, we got a band. Of, it was a Tuesday. He said, <laughs> for Saturday night in Racine, it's 450 bucks. You got to provide sound. You owe me 20%. So after that, that's 360 bucks. And we looked at each other, and this was a December gig. And our wow. company Christmas party was Saturday night. We all had dates. And we just all, came, we just all dropped everything to take a gig, you know? Right. Nobody does anymore. I mean, that's. You're, 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 unless you, unless you make a little bit of sacrifice, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to build it up, you know? Yeah. And I think that's part of, like you spoke to earlier about mm-hmm. the common vision in the band has to be, okay. Are, are we in, are we in alliance on what our vision is, what we want to do, yeah. you know? So is everyone pulling the wagon in the same direction or not? Right. Yeah. I always like the, I always like the bands that get together and they rehearse and they get some songs and then they're just never available. <laughs> they're never available. For, for whatever reason. Right. Every time you call them, they're like, yeah, we can't do that show. Let's rehearse. Let's get a promo photo. Let's never play. <laughs> I, will, I will jokingly say that to some, some band leaders, and they go, yeah, you got me in that one. They'll just chuckle because they know I'm right. No. Well, and they're usually, they struggle because band members aren't all in alignment. And I think yeah. that's that's a band leader thing is that when whenever we've changed band members, it's always – like, this is the deal. Like, if you want to join the band, like, this is the deal. Like, you have to accept this 100%. We had a bass player a while ago that wanted to join the band. He's a very popular guy in town. And he just said, but, you know, I like to take uh, four or five weekends off in the summertime to go fishing. And I said, well, this can't happen in the summer. Yeah. So it's just not the right yeah. band for you. But I think you got to set that tone right off the bat. Yeah, so then, it. yeah, once you have everyone in the band who is in alignment, then you know, okay, well, if that Tuesday gig comes in, I know we can t- grab it because I know everyone's going to be down for the doing it, right? Yeah, and you know what? It, I remember the gig. There was nobody there, but you know we made a gig happen because that's kind of where. And that you think it. Remember, there was no texting. There was no email. Right. You know, hey, can you do a show Saturday night? Can you? One, one, one member was a teacher, so you know, can can you have can you have her call us on our lunch break, please? You know, that kind of thing. Right. It was, uh, you you, it, you it, worked it, it out. Like, it was crazy, but you know it's. Uh, but those are the things you have to do, and uh, and uh, you know I I, I you know I, I probably handled some things. I, I handled a lot of things wrong. I learned over the years. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll apologize publicly to anybody that I that I that I, that I pissed off or insulted, or whatever. I, I guess we're young and dumb, you know. We're, oh yeah. We, we you know we can we can get we can tend to get full of ourselves, and you know in hindsight you're like oh shit I should have handled that better. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I still am still happy to this day that I, that I made the move and I work with Neil because Neil is, Neil Hawes of TEC is, he's the best guy out there. He really is. He's, he's honest. Um, he, he takes care of musicians. I've seen him lay out thousands of dollars to musicians when they got stiff just to make sure that they were covered, um, take money out of his pocket to take care of people. Um, and that's, that's the guy, you know, he, he over, but that's the guy you want to work with. You know, I don't want him to get ripped off. I just, but I want to make sure I, I'm very protective of him as well. No. And I've had the same exact experiences with both him and Neil and both you at the agency. Obviously we're not a, a roster band of the agency, but we do work together from time to time throughout the year. And I've, I've never had a bad experience with you guys ever uh, at not one time. So 
absolutely a testament to, um, to what you guys do over there. There's a couple of things, two things that I want to get into about that is with you being in, obviously you're in a band that's on the agency label. Um, how do you balance like the band member? Cause obviously you're taking calls. Obviously a call comes in and, uh, you have the love monkeys band, the calls coming into you and they're looking for a band. You know, there's a miss. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, about agencies and especially a guy who's in a band who works at the agency. So I'd like, I'd like to give you an opportunity to clear this up because I think this is important because people, I hear people rag a little bit about that side of it. Well, you know, the call comes in and it's like, you're on the phone, like, Oh, you're looking for a band. Yeah. I can spend the love monkeys. (laughs) And that's not the way it goes. Oh, that's that's actually that's truly not the way it goes. And I and I believe me, I've, I've I've heard it. You know, he's poaching all the gigs. Well, the truth is, when I first came to work with Neil, he he checked it over with all the other band leaders. Said, "Listen, this is going to happen." And John and I have an agreement. If there is any time that say somebody calls up looking for the now, and I instead insert the Love Monkeys in there, I'm fired on the spot. If I ever prioritize my band over anybody else's band, um, I'm fired on the spot. That's I, I'm papers right then there I'm, I'm canned if i you know if, if i ever prioritize my band over anybody else uh and you can you can talk to neil you can talk to elliot hill who's there steve shimleski they'll say he never talks about his band because i don't i just you know if people are looking for a list of availabilities i go in alphabetical order um so all you new bands start your start your band name with an a or a b just so you know for <laughs> what you going because you always come up on top Wow. I'm like, so for us, do you go with the T or the N? Yeah, don't call yourself the Zoros. <laughs> don't go with the Zoros, okay? The Just, and don't be Zoros either. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> but um, and that's just that's just that's the rule we've had, and uh, and I've never done it, and that's um, and people may think otherwise, and that's that's your right to think that, but yeah, that's a perception I've I've been I've been aware of, but my also my attitude as a band leader, and you know this is if if I do my job right. I'll get booked. Okay. If I, if I, if I keep, if I keep working at what I'm doing, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get jobs. You know, that's a there's great no magic wand out there. It's, it's, a, it's a, as you know, there's, it's a lot of work and there's no magic wand. There's gigs just don't miraculously appear. <laughs> and they don't keep appearing too. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. I mean, you have to work hard. Like you, yeah. And that's, I think a big, another big misconception. The two things I'd like to say, one is that, if anyone really, really thought about that concept of world, this guy works, he plays in a band and he works at the agency. That just makes no sense on its surface because at the end of the day, your job as an agency is to give the buyer what they want and give the yeah. buyer and make the buyer happy so that they're happy. They'll keep coming back and, and hiring the agency. So it would make no sense for someone to just keep pushing one band. They want to push the band that makes the most sense for the event. Correct. That's very correct. And, and uh, Neil's attitude from day one is, well, who's our, who's our customer? Who are we working for? And we are working for the band because you know what we, uh, you know, we, we book you for $33,000 or what we're, you're paying us a commission on that. So you're, you're paying us, you know, that festival buyer, that club buyer isn't paying us, you're paying us. So we look out for you. That's, that's been our that's philosophy from day one. And I think a lot of, uh, there probably is some agencies out there that will just put a band into a situation that they know is not going to work. It's not the right band for the situation. It's not the right band for the venue. And they'll just put them in just to make the commission. And I think, I think one of your strong points, because I've seen this over the years with your agency is that you're going to put the band in that makes sense for the, for the venue and for the buyer, because that's the right thing to do for the buyer, but it's also the right thing to do for the band. Yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 what we try to do. That's what we try to focus on. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, obviously, the current state of the band scene right now. I'd like to get a little bit of your thoughts on this. Is you mentioned a little bit about it. It's I believe it's just hyper saturated right now. Every bar has a band on every day of the week almost, and the typical Saturday night now is not just the four big bands: the Love Monkeys, the Toys, the Sweet Tarts. Now, yeah, a lot of bands, Saturday. Though. So many. And then acoustic duos, acoustic trios, solos. There's so much live music to go to mm-hmm. now if you're a band playing. 
speak to speak to your thoughts on the saturation and, and, and the scene right now. Well, it's it's really interesting because when I first started working with Neil and up until, you know, up until you know, the late 2000s, our business was 95, 98 percent bands and three to five percent solos, duos, acoustic acts. Um, up until the mid 2000s, our business was probably 80 percent Milwaukee County, 20 percent suburb and everything is reversed. It's, everything is completely flip-flopped. Um, wow. It really has. So as an agency, we're, we are working 20 times as hard to make the same amount of money as we were making 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we keep on, just like a band, we keep on reinvesting in ourselves. We're really excited to move to Menominee Falls in May, on May 1st and get a new location. Uh, there's a lot of action out there for us. We've been in New Berlin for 25 years. So um, we it, just like, you know, as musicians and, and bands, we have to reinvent ourselves as an agency. We have to reinvent ourselves as well. And uh, and that's that's where we are right now. And it's going to be a really exciting times that uh, we, we can't make any announcements right now. But we've got some things on, on, the, on the on the horizon that are just really, really cool for the company. But that being said, it's you're right. It's uh, there is a lot going out there. Um, it, there's a lot of talent in this area. Um, there's, we've got a lot of great musicians, but I don't think the musicians and bands know who they want to be. You know, the bands right. that are getting, that, I think the bands that are getting, you know, decent bookings and making decent money, they're not, they're not playing out every weekend. They're making, just making every show count. Uh, and they've also got all these members that are pretty much committed to this band. I mean, you, you understand how important it is to have four people committed to one project because there's power in, there are powers in numbers. But, you know, if, uh, if you've got, I, like a, an example is I went and saw a band rehearse about a year ago and they did a nice job, you know, they, sound, they sounded decent, uh, but I realized, well, that guitar player's in two bands, that singer is in four bands plus a solo gig, and drummer's in two bands, that bass player's in three bands. How are you gonna get this off the ground? How are you gonna make yeah. this stick? Um, you're not, because you have so many people focusing on so many things that instead of making one thing good and powerful, uh, I use this line and you may have heard other people use it, but I said a lot of musicians locally are more worried about filling up their calendar than filling up a venue. But if you fill up the venue, you will fill up your calendar. It'll be easier. 100%. Make um, and as a band, you know how important it is to get people to pay a cover charge, even if it's five bucks, because now people are putting the value on your band. And they're not going to leave, you know, because they spent five or ten bucks to be there. Um, but if you go in a venue where, where uh, you know, there's there's no cover, but people are there, you can just come and go. You've got no obligation to stick around. Right. And uh, and you'd be surprised how many people come to us, go to see a band, and they leave that venue not even knowing what the band name was. <laughs> you know. Sure. Just and, stopping and, in. And, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll never forget. I'm on stage one night, and uh, you know, hey, where the band? This is that. Got a backdrop on there, and all of a sudden, on break, guy comes. Hey, man, your band's pretty cool. Who you call? <laughs> you know, I just, you know, he's got beer. Like, all right. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's just a really, it's a, it's a really interesting business right now. Um, but I think the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. Uh, that's, that's my attitude. No, I agree, and I agree a hundred percent about the uh, people. And I understand why people want to be in more than one band because that's how they fill their calendar, like you said. And especially if you're doing it for uh, that's your only cent, you know, mm -hmm. source of income. I could get that, but that doesn't really serve the band well because the the you know if if I'm a fan of Joe Schmo's lead singer of this band and but he also plays in three other bands and he's playing next week in his other band and he's playing next friday in his other band i don't really have a dire disease or absolute need to see him this saturday in the band i like him in because if i like him a lot i can go see him again next weekend and i think that draws away from a band's draw yeah um you know and a lot there as you know um there are there are less venues to play right now okay and yes you used to have, a, and I'm not. I don't want to be one of these guys that like. Well, back in my day, and it's, I, I'm not <laughs> that's that's what we all do, though. <laughs> but actually, it's like you used to have A, B, and C rooms, and used to have A, B, and C bands, and to get to be the A band in the A room, 
you had to start down and build and, and, and connect and, and build that up. Yeah. And now, um, you know, the, the, there's, there's, it's, it's muddy. It really is. And uh, there aren't as many rooms out there. Um, and you know what? Bands don't know how to promote. They're, they're very relying on, on, on Facebook and they're relying on social media. But you always have to have the attitude, well, what if it goes away? I'm, I'm completely screwed because nobody knows where I'm going to be, you know? Um, whereas as a band leader, I still have a 2,000-person mailing list. Uh, I'm still the kind of guy that's going to get my car and drive to the venue. I'm going to hang up posters. I'm going to put out mailers. All this. I'm going to put out things before. Nobody understands that anymore. They just think they can create an event. And as a TEC agent, you have no idea how hard it is to get musicians and bands to create events for their gigs. It's just... Really? Yeah. Neil and I did a... Sem- Jeff Jost from Smart Mouth. He used to have a band yeah. called Johnson's, but he also used to work at Casio Music. He brought Neil and I in for a seminar to how to market and promote your band. This was about 20 years ago. And and Neil said, listen, we're going to give you 99, 9.9% of our secrets and we're completely comfortable doing that because none of you are going to do it. Because you're not, you're going to, you know, it's uh, a, he's like, yeah, because you're not going to do it. And to this day, um, I've got, you know, I've got, and it's, it also goes, you know, it's as, as bands and musicians, solo or bands, we have a responsibility to do that. So if you're going to, my attitude as an agent, if you're going to take a gig from me, you have a responsibility to promote it. But that also goes to the venue also. I mean, that venue has a responsibility to do that as well. They've got, you know, they really do. I mean, I, I got to hand it to Paulie, man. He works his ass off. They are promoting all the time, you know, which is, he's so he's, he's really, really, you know, he's really worked his way into being that venue in, 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 in the city. So good for him. But it's nonstop, man. It's nonstop. It's, uh, I always say you have to work 10 to 20 times as hard off stage as you do on stage. You do, and I think a lot of good points. Um, the people, when Facebook and social media came into the into the realm, I think people got lulled into this sense of security where that's all that was needed now was just throw up a Facebook event, and I don't have to share the event. I don't have to keep promoting the event. I just make this one event, and it's just going to go make work its magic dust, and it's, the place is going to be packed. Yeah. And so then we don't put up posters anymore. We don't run a ma- – email list anymore i i had a situation where last year when when i tore my quad tendon we had to cancel one show in the summer and i went around to try to find a band to fill our date i cannot tell you how many bands don't have a website don't have a website with an actual number you can call just a contact form yeah which okay you fill out the contact form when are they going to get the email who knows tomorrow next week i emailed six bands on on their website and got one response from a band five five days after the show to be filled and so i think you have to like you said it's not just the facebook it's everything it's the posters it's the email list it's the word of mouth it's everything you got to do everything and a lot of it right but what it ultimately comes down to is either you want to or you don't want to you know um and and if you're if you're a band looking for more gigs and to uh and, and to get better pay, whatever, you have to got to watch. You got to, I'm sorry. I, I, I know your kid's got a ball game that day. He's going to have 40 other ball games this summer because he's playing ball. If you want to do it, I mean, I family comes and, and I'm at that point right now in my career. Yeah. Family is ultimately first. Um, but there are going to be times when you got to go, ah, I'm going to miss that one. I'm going to miss that one. You know, I, we are all, you know, many of us are raised with, you know, dads that were working while we were playing ball, so they weren't there anyway. So it, it, it's just a different, you know. But that's also what we're competing against as bands. We're competing against, you know, people always say, what are you competing against bands? Everybody everybody thinks it's it's the phone. It's We're, we're competing against the phone. Well, you got distilleries out there that, you know, all of a sudden everybody's a craft beer aficionado. You've got kids' sports, which are taking them to Indianapolis, when they're seven years old, but that then, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, family comes first. And, uh, at this point, you know, it, that's why you're seeing, I mean, what are your crowds? 45 to 65 right now, Mike? Are they, exactly. Yeah. yeah it's generally from, yeah. Our most yeah, 30 to 30 to 60. That's another topic is like, how can we get young people to our shows? Guess what? You're not going to get young people to your shows. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're not going to, you know? they're not, the, they're not the consumer of what you're putting out. The no, product that you're not. putting out, they never, they, 
they were back in the 80s, but yeah. they're not now. I don't yeah, think they are. It's, it's really funny because it's, it's funny because until you put a product out there that would appeal to them, they're not, they're not coming to your shows. I'm, I'm talking to some acoustic musicians that are 24 and 25. I said, well, what are your friends doing? I said, they all say, oh, they don't go see music. I mean, they'll might go to a bar where there's music in the corner, but they don't pay attention to it. Even, even the 24, 25-year-old musicians, their friends aren't going to see music, but they will save their money for a big event like an uh, uh, American Family Field concert, or they will go down to Lollapalooza. They'll save that. And uh, it's, 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 they'll, they'll, go to the, they'll go to the big events. They'll go to the spectacles, but they won't go see a live band. Sure. Yeah, I, I I I can see that the spectacle thing. That's yeah. where it's a big event. Yeah, well, there was a there was a TV show on HBO a few years back called Roadies, and uh, I, I use this to this day because it was about this. It's it's all it's all fictional. It's about this fictional jam band out of Colorado that had this great following, and they were getting back together to do a tour. And uh, these two old road managers are like talking backstage, and they say, "Hey, how's the music business treating you?" And he said, uh, you know, the music business these days, it's not about the music. It's about the spectacle. And I never, ever forgot that because on a local level, as bands, we're all trying to create that many spectacle that people can go see. Um, some of us are real good at it. Other people don't understand that. But that's why, I mean, if that's why you go to the big concert. It's all about the phone and recording that. Nobody's actually watching the band. They're watching the screens. Uh, it, it's, it's like that that new sphere in Vegas is fantastic, but I don't think I want to go to it because as I get older, I want that personal experience where I can see what people are doing, you know, with your own eyes, with my own eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cause that, I think that commits it to memory, but I'm old. I also went to concerts at Milwaukee County stadium where I saw the Eagles from like the second deck and there were no screens. They were just these little, <laughs> they were out there, you know? So um, yeah. that's, that's how, you know, you're raised to see music. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think, like you said, it's, it's, you got to want it. You got to want to be able to put the work in. The band has to promote. We got to get the venues to promote as well. I can't tell you how many times I drop off posters and they don't put them up or they don't put the name on the marquee or. I never, ever let somebody else put up my posters. I put them up myself. I've seen more ladies rooms in the state of Wisconsin than most men. So uh, (laughs) I I never, ever trust anybody to put it up. I guess I get there. Where the hell are our posters? We dropped them off five weeks ago. Uh, you know, that's an excellent point. I started giving that task to Rudy lately, so he's been seeing some some women's bathrooms lately. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> that that was like that's the biggest that that was my best word of advice. You want to know the best ever spot to put advertise your band is on the inside of a ladies' room stall door because when they're staring at it, you got sixty seconds of undivided attention, and if she's not looking at her phone, she's going to be looking at the door, nothing else to do, and they're like, put it right there. You know, <laughs> exactly. Perfect spot. Perfect spot. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the scene is, is, is strong. I, I feel like it's, it's like you said, there's so much talent around, but I think what it, around. what it is forcing, and this is a good thing. It's, I think it's going to force bands that want to remain viable to not get complacent. Like yeah. they're going to have to continue, you know, you know how it is because you've had a band that's been at the super peak and been down a little bit and then back up with all bands that have been around as long as you guys have that. But it's real easy for band members to just want to say, well, the checks are coming in every week and things are freaking awesome and they're always going to be awesome. But I think bands are going to have to really work hard to stay that way. Well, and if you don't in another 10, 10 years or so, you're still going to be making 150 bucks a night. (laughs) Right. Unless, unless you change what you do. Um, that's how I look at it. Neil and I, we did a count and this is like seven years ago. We did a count of how many festivals in our system have gone away in the past 15 years. And there are over, I think it was 175 festivals that have gone away in Southeastern Wisconsin in the last 15 years, 175 festivals. Wow. Just that's what, what Friday, Saturday, Sunday bands times 175. That's, that's how many gigs have gone away, you know? Yeah. They've gone away. And it's, yeah. And especially the church festivals, like um, we've festivals. lost a lot of the church festivals. Yeah, yeah, they have. We had a, uh, we had a church festival that, uh, that uh, went away because is they, they made money. They just didn't have the volunteer base anymore. 
That's uh, common. Festival went away because uh, they had no more debt, so they didn't need the they didn't feel the need to do it anymore. You know, they had zero debt. You know, interesting. So yeah, but we're down to less than ten church festivals now. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. 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 The scene has so, definitely so, changed. Yeah. To quote my friend Jay, you know, twenty years ago, you can swing a dead cat without hitting one in the summertime. <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. That's all you played. I mean, I look back at some of our schedules from even six years ago, just looking at the basic schedule and just seeing how many saints saint this and saint that was on the schedule. And now when you look at it, there's like maybe three or four. Yeah. Neil and I looked at a, a, a schedule for the toys from like 20 years ago. And the only venue that is still standing is Kelly's Legion's in Lake, but illusions was on there and frankly oh illusions yeah dreamers and sheboygan like it was just it was like oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah well i think it's a good thing i think i think it will the people that want to work hard guys like you've been in the business forever and ever and and have always worked hard and 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 took what they've done seriously and have a passion for it i think those people are always going to do well in this business no matter what the climate is you know because they're willing they're willing to put the work in there's, there's, there's no magic wand. You get out of it what you put into it, and it's also 100% subjective. Either it's going to connect with, with, connect with people, or it's not. You know, and that's, I mean, people are. I've had musicians just recently say, "I've been doing this for 15 years. Why can't I grow this? Why isn't this not getting any better?" And I'm like, you know what? Not everybody who invents something, you know, patents something is, is going to, is going to, you know, make millions off of it. You know, so. Oh, and you see that in music all the time. I mean, you, you'll. You look at music. There's some musicians in town here that are just light years above everyone else in their talent, but they just can't get anything going. And like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like if no one can figure that out, but I think if you're passionate about it, you just keep plugging away. And as the old adage is like, no one ever fails. People just quit. Like you got to just keep going and keep going. You got to keep going. You've got to, you've got to challenge yourself. It's uh, and and as you, but you've met, you know, but you, one thing you said is there have been times I've gotten called. They go, Oh, we're so talented. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> doesn't mean anything at <laughs> you all. Know, that doesn't mean anything. It, it just, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, yeah, talent is important, but um, passion, chemistry, there are so many other ingredients that, you know, talent's probably like number five on the list. It's, it's, either, it's kind of like either you get it or you don't, you know, um, talking to, um, talking about uh, i've got some friends in the band addiction and right now they're scheduling shows but they're really really conscious about not scheduling dates too close to one another with different venues and it's just so smart they realize listen man we're playing 80s we're playing 80s metal 80s hard rock and we want every show to be special so we're going to spread it out instead of trying to play every weekend and, and so that way we can enjoy what we want to enjoy and it was refreshing to hear that because that's what you know it's that's what a lot of bands should be doing yeah, and what we've done is we've taken the approach of we're going to go out to the other areas. We're just going to travel the state. We're going to go out to Minnesota. We'll go to Illinois and do that so that we can do the same thing addiction is doing where we're not playing the same bars and, you know, same span of time. That's tough on band members, though, because sometimes you can't always get band members in other bands to do that. Because especially if you're playing to a packed house in West Dallas and now you're going to drive out to Green Bay and kind of accept the fact that it might be a slow crowd the first couple of times you go in there till you build, build your audience. Right. And sometimes that can hit a musician's ego a little bit. Well, it can, but you know, it's, uh, but what you just talked about, I, I kind of, I, it, it kind of comes down to leadership, Mike. And I, I have many hats. And I tip them to you because you're a good band leader and the bands that are kind of successful or they've been successful have great band leaders. They, there's great leadership, but there's a great understanding. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I know a lot of bands are trying to make it a democracy democracy's really working rock and roll. It's got to be somebody's vision. It's got to be somebody's drive. Um, otherwise, it's going to be, uh, I'm going fishing that weekend. Oh, come on, let's do this gig. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, you know? You know. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that for coming from you. I really do. There's some great leaders out there. And uh, but it, and that's kind of the bands that are have good calendars, I think, are making good money. They've got They've got strong leadership. I, I agree with that 100 percent. Someone has to be there to, to make the tough decisions because usually uh, most everyone that are tip, you know, you have different band members. You have guys just want to play, just want to have a good time. Guys that are just in it for the money. Guys are just in it to get out of the house because they want to get away from the wife. Like you have all different things, but there's got to be someone in the band that's going to say, 
this is the vision. This is what we're doing. And this is, this is where we're going with it and come with me and let's do this. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel, you know, but if you're going to, if you, I mean, my attitude is like in being in the band, I'm, I'm just lucky to be in a band that I like everybody in the band, you know, cause it doesn't always happen that way. But these are all, if you're going to be, you know, spending time away from home, you're going to be on the road or whatever, you're going to be, you know, up and going from Green Bay to Iowa, you, you want to be around guys that you like and, and that you would truly enjoy and, and love. And I'm lucky that way. Um, and it, it, I, that's, that's a big part of it also. It's funny you say that because this is a couple of years ago. I was going through a tough time as a leader to make a big decision with the band. And I called none other than Jimmy Knapp from the toys. And uh-huh. I wanted his, his advice for me as a leader, one leader to another. And uh, the one of the things he said, he said, make sure the number one thing is you're in a band with people that you generally like as human beings, yeah. regardless of their talent, regardless of anything else, you have to like the people you're in the band with. He's like, cause you're going to be around them so often. And that's what you just said. Great yeah. advice for bands. Great advice for bands. Yeah, and you also you find out you know you find out where people shine and where they and and, and if you, you as you're playing with them long enough you understand their strengths and weaknesses and you, and you play to their strengths and you hopefully make them less weak and where they they weren't strong before and that's uh, you know we all we kind of build each other up uh, it's great and that's I think what a leader does too is he yeah. re- recognizes what people their strengths and weaknesses are and he helps them build those strengths and 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 keep them away from what they don't do well. Right. That, that, and people understand is that that's what all a band leader is. It's really just a manager. He's just like a manager at the quick trip, right? He's going to manage people and he's going to make decisions for the company and for the business. And he's going to build people up and get people excited about the company. And Hey, don't you love working at quick trip? (laughs) Right. Well, you get everybody excited and there's, you know, there's, there's uh, optimism is contagious. Uh, It's, it's, it, it, it rubs off on people. Yeah. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my friend, Mr. John Hauser, it's been a great discussion. I appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming out. Um, and I will uh, look forward to talk with you soon. Anything you want to say in parting words? No, thanks. I mean, just uh, keep on doing what you're doing, Mike. How long have you see? But a lot of people don't understand the history of the now that you the original guitar player in the now that you kind of came on board later on in like the, the second or third version of the band. And uh, look what you've done with that. I mean, you became de facto leader um, because, you know, you just did. And, and that's it, it. And you know what? It's, keep on doing what you're doing. All right. I, it, it's fun to watch. And well, you, know I appreciate what? You, that. you make some hard decisions. But uh, here you are. You're still standing. Still standing. Still love what I do. I believe in this band 100 percent. Been here 19 years. And um, I've definitely made some mistakes as a leader, as we all have, but uh, I learn every single day. And I just, I try to look to people like you and other people in the industry and I, I look for their, their leadership. And I try to take what they've, what they've done well and try to incorporate it into what we do. I think that's what we all do. Right. Oh man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, once again, thank you, Mr. John Hauser. We will talk soon and uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. See ya. Right. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Rossa report.